Salam guys, I'm Mohsin. Welcome to this episode of Millionaire Muslim. Before we get into this episode, we just wanted to spend a few seconds telling you about Islamic Finance Guru or IFG for short. Mohsin and I co-founded IFG in 2015 because we couldn't find content about personal finance and Islamic finance for Muslims like you and I. Nowadays, alhamdulillah, we reach an audience of hundreds of thousands and our goal is to keep providing great content to help you guys. So if you're looking for halal investments and Islamic mortgages or startup funding, check us out at islamicfinanceguru.com. And if you want to get in touch with us directly, you can get me on mohsin at islamicfinanceguru.com and you can get Ibrahim on ibrahim at islamicfinanceguru.com. Enjoy the episode. Looking for a different approach to money? Meet Gatehouse Bank a Sharia-compliant UK bank built for the modern world. We help home buyers to purchase or refinance their home, provide buy-to-let funding for landlords, and offer award-winning savings accounts. Wherever you're going, get there a different way. Get there with Gatehouse. To find out more, visit gatehousebank.com. Before we dive in, I'd just like to say a quick thank you to our sponsor, PensionBee. They have helped over 70,000 customers be pension confident by helping them transfer their old pensions together into one simple online plan. They also have a great Sharia compliant pension option as well, which is why we personally really like them. And you can check out a review of their offering on the Sharia side on our website. For those of you who are joining this for the first time, just a really quick recap. This is an IFG Tafsir. We have these Tadabur or Tafsir sessions every Wednesday for about, I'd say, 10 to 15 minutes or so. And the idea behind it is like, you know, IFG, we talk a lot about finances, a lot about investing. But I think it's really important to make sure that we rejuvenate our Iman and our spirituality whilst talking about these subjects in particular. And, you know, the whole ethos that at least we like to approach finances and investment is that, you know, you care about Islamic finance because of the Islamic aspect, right? Otherwise, there is this just mainstream finance. And so it's really important to make sure we stay connected with the nusus, the Quran and the Sunnah that, you know, form the, the heart of what we do. So inshallah today we're going to be focusing on Surah Nisa. It's a 34th verse of Surah Nisa. There is actually a controversial element to this verse that I won't really be touching on because it's nothing really to do with finances. And I think it's best left to, you know, the senior scholars to talk about that. But I will be talking about the first half of this verse. Uh, so ba'da'udhu billahi minash shaytanir rajeem. الرجال قوامون على النساء بما فضل الله بعضهم على بعض وبما أنفقوا من أموالهم فالصالحات قانتات حافظات للغيب بما حافظ الله الله سبحانه وتعالى he says that men are the caretakers of women as men have been provisioned by Allah over men 
and tasked with supporting them financially. And righteous women are devoutly obedient and when alone, protective of what Allah has entrusted them with. And this is obviously the famous verse and it, you know, it goes on. And the second half of it is how does one deal with family discord? And, you know, if the wife is disobedient to the husband and how one should deal with that, you know, that's the bit what I'm not going to go into because I don't think that's related too much to um, what we want to focus on today. What I wanted to think about was about the first bit. You know, the men are the caretakers of women. People who are supposed to look after women. And because of what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given some of them over others. And because of what they spend from their wealth. This whole area is an absolutely fascinating area. You know, it's about the kind of themes that I wanted to really briefly touch upon are you know the themes of what are the responsibilities of the man and the woman in the household but also you know who should be spending the wealth to actually you know sustain one's family and also thinking a little bit about arguably here the potential inequality prima facie it looks like there could be some kind of inequality to women being done here especially if you look at it from a very western liberal lens so thinking a little bit around that as well so the first thing to frame the discussion is that in 2011, the U.S. Consensus Bureau found that 12% of children in married couple families were living in poverty compared to 44% of children in mother-only families. So that's really quite interesting. What it's saying is that poverty, and I think this is a quote I've took from the there's a Yaqeen Institute article that's fantastic on this topic. So I highly recommend you check that out and we actually have a long topic as well on our website on finances and love and marriage and finances from a Islamic perspective as well. This um, statistic is fascinating because what it's saying is that poverty is something that you know naturally increases when you have single parent households. Uh, whereas when you've got dual parent households, then especially where there's a man involved, you typically find that poverty goes down quite significantly, and that makes sense, right? You know, it's it makes sense from our religious perspective. It makes sense from a you know just a general understanding of human civilization perspective. Typically, women are involved with childcare, much more so than men. And men are typically those who go out and, you know, earn money and uh, earn the bread for the family. And that's a really important point to bear in mind that, you know, when we are talking about these topics about leadership and, you know, who's in charge of the household, we often come at it with these preconceived ideas that, a, leadership is something to be coveted and leadership is something valuable and leadership is that, you know, kind of signal of the good, right? The moral good or the, you know, the thing that should be strived for as opposed to really thinking about it from an Islamic perspective and what are the things that we should be valuing and what are the barometers that we should be measuring up, up ourselves against. And then the second thing I think we often lose sight of, especially in this neoliberal moral landscape that we live in, is that human beings are the way they are. And often you hear so much that seems to go against the fitra, the core human essence, 
that you end up questioning things that really shouldn't be questioned at all. It shouldn't be controversial to say that the family unit, a man and a woman together, are together going to be better off for the children and the family to stay together, whereas today often can be quite controversial. So now moving on really quickly, the second point I wanted to make was, you know, there's a hadith of Abu Dawood that if three people are setting out on a journey, they should appoint one of themselves as a leader. And, you know, if this is a journey that we're talking about without any, you know, real significance, how does that compare then to the journey of life and where you're creating the very foundations of civilization, which is the family? Certainly there, we need to make sure that we have a leader. And if you don't have leadership in a society or in an organization or in anything, in any organization, you see that there's a breakdown and a malfunction of that organ, of that entity, of that organization, of that business, whatever it might be. You know, it's uncontroversial to say that there needs to be a hierarchy or a decisional hierarchy in terms of who has the final say. And if you don't have that, then you end up in all sorts of problems. The other thing, you know, and this is going back to my initial point, was around uh, how Prophet Sallam, uh, in a hadith by Abu Hurairah, he narrates how Prophet said, you will be keen on leadership, but it will be a source of great regret on the day of resurrection. And there are many other traditions as well that talk about how leadership is not something to be coveted or not something that we should really strive for. It should be something that is almost seen as a amana or a burden. This trust, this responsibility is not something to be taken lightly. And I guess in that context, the human beings took it on and the rest of the civilization the rest of creation did not, you know, the amount of having free will. And so similarly, leadership, the, this ability to, to make a decision and have to stick by it is not something to be taken lightly. It's, you know, it's not privilege, it's a duty. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he doesn't just give men this responsibility, you know, you know, he doesn't give them just the responsibility on their own. It also says women have a responsibility. Um, the righteous women are devoutly obedient to their husbands and when alone and protective what Allah has entrusted them with. And this could be in regards to get their chastity, but also the wealth and the family of the husband and the household. And that's not, you know, me saying it. There's a very famous hadith about, you know, the shepherd. Every one of you is a shepherd and is questioned about his flock. The leader of a people is a guardian and is questioned about his subjects. A man is the guardian of his family and is questioned about them. And a woman is the guardian of her husband's home and his his children and she is questioned about them and everyone is basically a shepherd and this is a hadith of Bukhari isn't that absolutely fascinating all of us are leaders and all of us have responsibilities and a woman you know is given a very very clear responsibility here as being the guardian of her husband's home and his children now that doesn't mean that a woman you know can't work you know that we've discussed that last week that's not what it's saying but what it is saying is that that's a key responsibility that a woman has and that's the thing that she needs to be you know held accountable for that you know when you talk about job descriptions that's in the job description and if you're doing above and beyond that fine but that's what you need to be judged on there's another hadith reported by Ibn Taymiyyah. The best woman is she who, when you look at her, she pleases you when you command her, she obeys you when you are absent, she protects her honor and your property. And again, you know, these are things that may sound in our day and age, you know, incredibly old fashioned. 
But the Islam and the Quran is a timeless thing. And ultimately, these are the truths or these are the contours of morality that if we follow them, we will actually end up having a really happy life in both this life and the hereafter. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he, um, again in the Sahih Hibban, Prophet Sallam, he says, if the woman prayed her five daily prayers, fasted her month, protected her chastity, obeyed her husband, she will be told, enter paradise from any of its doors that you wish. The simplicity of that message is pretty stark. Now, a broader kind of thinking around this is, does that mean that women cannot be leaders? Well, how does that whole thing fit in? Because, of course, there's a hadith that Prophet ﷺ, he said, a nation cannot be successful if they have a woman who is their leader, essentially. And there's a very interesting and detailed discussion around that. But in a nutshell, I think the answer that the scholars give around this is that in a household, it is really important that the man is given the leadership, both from a biological perspective, but also, you know, because generally speaking, it is within the fitrah and the nature of a man to be more of a leader. And when it comes to leadership, a woman definitely can be a leader and is in fact expected to be a leader in many instances. With political power, there's, you know, some difference of opinion, but it's very interesting instructive that the Quran talks about the Queen of Saba in the story of Suleiman and is pretty positive about the Queen of Saba and she is shown to you know lead the court and consider advice from her shura and they give her advice and then she makes a decision and the Quran obviously reflects that as well so you know things like leadership of women should be definitely seen in the round and then really finally and very conscious of the time and I very purposely want to keep the things relatively short practically what does this mean for a man for a woman when it comes to their finances and who's responsible you know men are the caretakers of women but men need to make sure that they are actually delivering on that because men often take that qawwamun word to mean leadership but it's also guardians, caretakers, financially responsible. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he says specifically, he, he makes this a conditional, They're only in that position because as men have been provisioned by Allah over women and tasked with supporting them financially. So it's pretty emphatic that you know men are the ones who should be taking the lead on the bread and butter of the family finances. However, if a woman does want to contribute to that, she certainly should do. And, you know, a woman should look to the hadith around the shepherd and make sure that she is taking a, a lead role, especially on the early childhood years. And if she wants to work, then, you know, as we discussed previously, then, you know, she should be allowed to. And, you know, that's perfectly fine. And she should be allowed to keep that wealth separate. It's not something that, you know, the husband necessarily has a right on or anything like that. However, it should be done with a pragmatic and a sensible mindset. It shouldn't be a decision that then means that the core duties that the hadith sets out are then being impinged on and not being properly delivered on. So, those were some really quick reflections and thoughts around these verses and this hadith. If there's any questions, then please feel free to um, speak up. If you're on the Telegram or if you're on the Instagram, then please feel free to add it in a comment and I can pick it up. If you got this far, you must have enjoyed the podcast, which means you'll definitely love our other episodes and other content we produce as well, inshallah. Be sure to check out the website, islamicfinanceguru.com, as well as our YouTube channel and social media. Until next time, assalamu alaikum.